0: Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope in our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. So I want to give a bit of a background on what our offering is for this week, and that is uh, Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. Um, Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries is... uh, ministry that is dedicated towards equipping the church to have conversations about mental health. Uh, This is an organization that's a lot different from something like Telecare or Cascade Christian Counseling. Uh, Those are wonderful services that are dedicated to providing care for the people in the midst of a mental health crisis or dealing with mental illness. Um, Sanctuary Ministries has a broader Um, invitation in that where it's anyone um, that wants to participate in this discussion and just learn more about what is in the midst of mental health challenges and how we can come alongside people with that. Uh, One of the ways that they equip that is by offering uh, the sanctuary mental health course which I took over the summer. Um, We've heard some reflections from other people uh, talking about it. I just want to take a few minutes right now to share one reflection of of something that I had learned in the midst of the course. Uh, So one of the ways just to introduce the subject of mental health, um, one of the popular ways of doing that is by giving statistics. Uh, These statistics can help us in understanding um, the prevalence of different mental health challenges. So we can see one in five people in Canada Um, are expected to experience a mental health challenge each year. Uh, There's another statistic of one in 17 people struggle with a serious mental illness, or another one saying one in four families in churches have a family member with a mental illness, or at least that amount. So looking at those types of numbers, when we have a membership of 330-plus people and one in 17 people deal with a serious mental illness, that brings an understanding that this isn't just an ambiguous subject, this is a subject about people um, that are part of our congregation. Uh, Something in here that I really want to point out and make sure we define well um, is the term mental illness. Mental illness is described as having a specific set of symptoms in how you are affected in your behavior, thoughts, and emotions. So a mental illness specifically, when I use that terminology, it's something that is diagnosable. Um, It is often in the, the terms of Anxiety disorders, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, some of these terms that we've heard before, uh, those would fit under mental illness. Um, but the subject of mental health goes much broader than that. So a statistic that I would like to add is 100% of people are on a mental health continuum. Uh, we all exist within a, some sort of spectrum of mental health and to have a little diagram that I've drawn, drawn here to um, understand this. All of us exist somewhere in the spectrum of languishing and flourishing. Uh, yeah, the mental health, just to define mental health a little bit better, um, a more clinical definition is, it's a state of well-being in which a person understands their own abilities, So that first part, you understand your limitations. You understand what you can and you cannot do. Uh, That you can cope with the normal stresses in life. So it recognizes day to day we will have different stresses. If we're in flourishing, uh, we're able to cope with that well. Uh, We can work productively and fruitfully and make a contribution in our community. So this definition of mental health also recognizes that we are made for community, and part of living into flourishing is being with others. So flourishing mental health can cope with their stresses that come their way. They are resilient and self-aware, balanced and adaptable, and able to enjoy life both as individuals and as members of a community. Now, on the other side, there is the languishing Languishing is found in a person who is in crisis, not able to maintain good social connections. Perhaps they've lost a sense of resilience in day-to-day stresses. And again, all of us are somewhere in this continuum between languishing and flourishing. Uh, An example of something that can bring us into a space of uh, languishing is is the death of a loved one. most of us know of this permission that's given, perhaps the, the regular stresses of, of going into work and, and the day-to-day things we put on pause and when we give space for that, uh, that people can work through the things that they need to do, that they can have the tools to resource themselves in, in processing their, their pain and their loss. Um, being in a space of languishing doesn't mean that the person is weak or that there's something wrong with them. It's simply describing that space that some peop- sometimes people are in, where they need that extra, some extra tools to be able to work through uh, the hurts and, and the pains that they have. Now, this is also where um, the terminology of mental illness I want to bring back in. So notice here, uh, on the, the background here, mental health In using this language between languishing and flourishing, um, you can have a diagnosed mental illness and be anywhere on this continuum. You can be in a space of flourishing, even. Um, If we use these definitions, um, you can be someone that has the diagnosed with bipolar, who has a stable community that they're a part of, where they can have a degree of resilience in their lives, where they're contributing, and experiencing flourishing in that way. Um, And I think this this will provide um, sort of the foundation for today's conversation later when when the message addresses some of this, that a a person with mental illness can even be flourishing in their relationship with Jesus and with others. Uh, We see how how terms like illness... um, might be unhelpful in some ways when we use those as the primary identifiers, that that mental health invites us into a deeper and broader conversation. So that's just a quick snapshot, so we're still in offertory time here. Uh, That is what Sanctuary Ministries um, helps in providing, giving some of this broader background of what does it mean to enter into a discussion on mental health as a whole and what it doesn't do is provide the ending of that conversation. Uh, people that finished this course, um, we felt that we were just in the beginning of, of working into what does it mean to live into this well as a church, and I felt that it did a good job of equipping us to take the next steps of the conversation. So part of that is the series, uh, but it won't end after the series. This is an ongoing conversation uh, that we need to be engaging with. Um, a key component of uh, what made the Sanctuary course attractive is also the fact that they offer it for free, um, and they rely on donations and the generosity of others to continue in their ministry. Uh, some of this is ongoing where they're updating the resources they have. Uh, they also have things like a podcast that I would uh, recommend checking out where different healthcare professionals give a Christian perspective of what it means to work with people with uh, in mental health crisis or dealing with mental illness I also give some uh, people chance to give their testimony their own stories of working through mental illness um, so I encourage your generosity towards sanctuary ministries as they help equip the church into this very important conversation and I also invite your prayers um, for the church as we enge- engage this subject Um, over the next coming weeks and years. Uh, Let's come before God in prayer. Lord God, uh, we bless you for all the many gifts you have given us, and we return these gifts as a token of gratitude, longing for the conviction and strength to offer our whole lives to you in service. We pray especially today for your blessing on sanctuary ministries and Um, for whom these gifts are designated. Uh, May you bless them in equipping churches to uh, talk about what it means to live in the midst of um, mental health. Grant them the wisdom and discernment to be good stewards of these gifts. We pray that they will be encouraged in their work, that their ministry may bear rich fruit in your kingdom. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Uh, Let's respond in singing a song, I Will Wait For You. Uh, This is a song that's rooted in the words of Psalm 130. Uh, Psalm 130 gives this invitation for people in spaces of languishing to wait on God. The, The words that are given in the psalm is, I will wait on the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Right, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 42. As you've probably already noticed, um, we're going to be beginning a discussion on uh, mental health today, and the avenue that this is going to look like uh, for the next two Sundays is going to be looking at Psalm 42. Uh, Today's message is titled, Through, Not Out, um, in recognition that uh, our mental health journeys is something that we are called to work through and something that we're not just kind of plucked out of um, in the midst of. Um, As we open God's word together, let's come before him in prayer. Uh, Lord God, thank you for giving us the Bible uh, that... Through reading it, we can learn more about you and learn to love you more. Send your spirit to help us understand your word and to help us grow. For Jesus' sake, amen. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 7. For the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. How I used to go to the house of the Lord under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In looking at conversations on mental health, um, one of the helpful things is to look at other people's stories. Uh, The stories that I have chosen to turn to are ones that are published, um, that they're in video form or um, in different books, and I think that's just an important thing to recognize to start off. Um, This is a vulnerable subject, And I want to be making sure that this is not stories of uh, people that you can be guessing of of who they might be. Uh, The first person is someone I'll refer to as Pastor Daryl. This is a person who is dealing with uh, depression in the midst of their pastoral ministry. Um, When he shares his story, he intentionally shares a story this way. He talks about the success that he was experiencing uh, the church was flourishing, it was growing at a rapid rate, and things were going well that way. He had a young family, uh, so he had this um, good private life as well, and there, there was no logical explanation. Uh, his, his prayer life was good. There was no reason for him to feel the way he did. Uh, he had no explanation for it and also no easy way out. It wasn't a matter of praying harder or joining a, a better community. These things were already in place. And yet, it was one of the darkest seasons he ever experienced. Uh, his languishing that he was in was to a point where he no longer wanted to live. Now He opens up about this story because it helps identify something about mental illness. Mental illness doesn't always work in clear-cut lines. Lives can look successful. Markers of happiness and fulfillment can be there. But the person uh, who has their life together, who lives in the nice home, uh, may be experiencing mental health challenge. It may be in spaces of languishing. And often people looking into that uh, can't really figure out why. Uh, They want to look at the why and the how part. Um, But the immediate issue isn't so much the why or the how, uh, but whether the person has these tools to help navigate their journey. Uh, The the story that that Pastor Daryl shares reminds me of another story of a a pastor whose daughter was dealing with a mental illness. And when they shared this with their community, they they had a whole range of different responses. Responses were um, included, she's overthinking it, a real Christian wouldn't get sick like this. Faith can help overcome this problem. Maybe it's God's punishment. Maybe she's overreaction. Just, just think of how many people have it so much worse. If we, if we can only get more perspective on this, then she might feel better. Some people even suggested that they kick her out of her house to help straighten her out. Others spiritualized it and simply equated it only as demonic attack. Um, each, each of the explanations, each of these approaches that people shared with this person uh, diminish the diagnosis. Uh, they help to explain it, to flatten it out, maybe perhaps make it more approachable, more containable. Uh, once it has something, maybe a simple explanation, then at least it, it can be dealt with. Um, perhaps it comes from uh, a, a positive desire to bring hope in a situation If if it's just a negative phase or negative thinking, um, then all they need is positive thinking to get out of it. Uh, But to go back to that first person that I was talking about, Pastor Darrell, the way that he shares his story makes sure that we can't turn to these very simplistic um, answers. Um, Out of his depression was in the midst of meaningful work, and... No simple answers could be found. And this signals the importance of listening. By listening and validating the experience that a person has, you are refusing to flatten their experience to simply try to fix it. There is no just do this to feel better, there's something deeper going on that the person's journeying through. And I talk about this alongside Psalm 42 because this approach is modeled for us in Scripture. Psalm 42 is a psalm that allows for this space. Rather than looking for simple solutions or pretending that everything's okay, we have in our Bibles a modeling to bring ourselves in the midst of our languishing and vulnerability before God. The psalm is not talking about mental illness. However, the experience that the psalmist is describing is one that a person with mental illness may identify with. Offering psalms like this, there's many psalms of lament, uh, depending on how you count it. It can be between kind of 30% or 60% of the psalms deal with lament in some way. Um, offering a psalm like this is not offering a quick fix. Uh, by turning to this psalm, We're not just saying, if you're in the midst of depression, just read this three times a day and you'll be cured. Uh, That's not how this works. Instead, it is giving a space for God to be present when the cure is not on the horizon. And this is part of Scripture. This should be part of our Christian framework. We know that pain is an inevitable part of life. That it's even promised to us as followers of Christ. But somehow this is often missed. And that can complicate things. It can can make our journeys even more challenging. If we aren't given the permission um, to enter into this languishing, if we just feel this pressure to get ourselves out right away, then we'll miss the tools that we need to perhaps see how Christ is with us and present even in the midst of suffering. The psalmist Cries out, My soul pants for you, it yearns for you, my God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Uh, The person is admitting to feeling vulnerable, distant from God. They are saying, I feel desolate, I feel dry, I feel exhausted. Is God there? Is God listening? The psalmist asks, When can I meet with God? Um, the, the language in there, this is a, it's a psalm, so it's poetic, um, and it's hard to translate. Uh, that it, it could be translated more literally. Um, when can I be before God's face? When, when can I be in front of God's face? And that language of God's face should be familiar to us. We, we hear it often at the end of our services, this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Turn his face toward you and give you peace, that, that the sense that God's face is associated with God's presence. God turning his face towards you is what gives peace, what gives a sense of this wholeness. And here, the psalmist is saying, where can I go and be in front of God's face? Where can God's face, where can God's presence come and be with me? Because he's in a space where he doesn't feel that peace, and he doesn't feel that presence of God. And this kind of words gets incorporated into the community's songbook. Uh, this gets put into the, the psalms, which are there to teach us how to pray. Uh, the next line gets uh, perhaps more visceral. My, my tears have become my food day and night as they say to me all day long, where is your God? Uh, so the, the tears, that the person cannot eat anymore and the tears themselves have become their food. This is someone that's clearly languishing within. Uh, the, your translation might say, well, men or, or well, my enemies say, where is my God? Uh, but again, um, looking at the translation there, the, the word is simply they. Um, and there is a, a perhaps an invitation to consider that the tears themselves Maybe offering this questioning that we have here, that, that each tear um, brings this reminder of, of the pain that is within. And they ask all day long, Where is your God? The psalmist, again, is naming this before God. The biblical response to grief um, requires that we learn multiple languages. Uh, So, uh, for a time, I lived in Guinea-Bissau, a small country in Western Africa. And if I wanted to get around anywhere, I had to learn uh, Portuguese Creole, the the, the language that they spoke, because nobody spoke English there. Uh, It wouldn't help if I just spoke English louder to the people to try to get somewhere. Like, you need to be fluent in that type of language to be able to navigate your way through that type of journey. This is sometimes how lament is understood. It's giving language for the spaces of darkness, challenge, lostness that we might feel. There are many, um, this is a critique that's particularly given to the church in North America, that are monolingual in their faith lives. Knowing the language of hope and happiness, they're very fluent in that, but are lost when it comes to the language of suffering, brokenness, disappointment, or perhaps a deeper biblical understanding of what joy is. Adding the language of lament recognizes that happiness and a general lack of anxiety um, aren't sure signs of the presence of God. God's presence can be there in a myriad of situations. God can meet with you in the midst of your anxiety, Lament is a practice that doesn't require us to be in the midst of languishing. Uh, We can learn this language together from whatever space we are in, uh, recognizing that we can speak these words on behalf uh, of people who are in the midst of their sorrow and their hurts. Uh, When a community does not have the ability to express their pain or their lostness or grief, uh, there will inevitably be consequences. It can prevent us from moving forward. It can have other ways of surfacing. It's not like we can just push things down and everything will be okay. Uh, Often it surfaces in ways like anger. Um, Just imagine with me for a second here. An entire society has been moved towards languishing. So we, We remember this image here. Uh, that that maybe they're still in the continuum in the midst of flourishing, but at least as a group, they've been moved closer towards languishing, and they don't have a way of expressing it properly. Imagine the ways that grief and anger would surface and perhaps use that as a picture to try to help understand what's happening in our world today. It's not hard to see how the long-term effects of a pandemic is causing weight on a lot of us. If we don't have places where we can acknowledge this, it it can surface in different ways. Uh, Turning back to the story from uh, Pastor Darrell, the story at the beginning, this this person that's dealing with depression. Um, In the midst of his experience, he just longed to be plucked out of it, uh, to to be taken out of it really quickly. He wanted his recovery to be short for it to be immediate. Uh, But he just found, over time, his his own experience with this was that this was not going to be the case. No matter how hard he prayed, uh, no matter how many meetings and different prayer meetings he went to, it, it wasn't the case that he would just be taken out of it. The language that he gives for this situation was that this is something that he had to go through, not out. something that he had to journey through, not something he could just get escape out of. Uh, This is something that is, I think, helpful in understanding um, what it means to journey in the midst of mental illness. Whether experiencing it yourself or walking alongside others, for the majority of people, this is something that, that involves a longer journeying. And the metaphor of journey is also helpful in, in describing mental health. Um, often, we can describe it in terms of different stages that people will work through, um, and those stages can help us in understanding the different things that we can anticipate to, to see, um, but it can give the wrong impression that there's a linear way of working through things, that, that we can expect, I've gone through this, and then next will happen this, and that it's just a nice, straight, and easy path, um, a helpful visual, perhaps, is the recovery journey. looks a little bit more uh, like this, Uh, that there are twists and curves uh, that you will... um, The path isn't straight. The destination isn't necessarily clearly labeled. Uh, We don't know what the end marker actually is. Uh, Perhaps there will be pauses, detours, steps backwards. The trail may loop at points. Uh, it might not always make sense, um, but to, to be in a space where you are paused, to be in a space where you're, you're moving backwards doesn't mean that you're not on this broader continuum towards recovery. It simply is a signal that we are complex people in a complex world, uh, navigating the different challenges the best ways that we can. So it's just important to recognize here, uh, recovery can look different for different people. Uh, for some people, recovery might be uh, a complete alleviation from the symptoms of, of mental illness. Uh, for some people, they, they are diagnosed with a mental illness but they're not experiencing any of the symptoms anymore and they are able to work healthily into that. They can be in that space of flourishing without those symptoms. But for other people, it, it can mean being on this lifelong journey and experiencing symptoms of mental illness, but still experiencing flourishing. Um, it may mean living a full life in the midst of the community while experiencing ongoing symptoms. Uh, for for Pastor Darrell again, uh, the calling was of going through, not out. It gave him permission to see the tools that he needed, uh, tools like Lament. Now, uh, something I want to be clear on as well is that uh, lament is important, uh, but so is praise. Um, They're both part of the psalms, and they're both part of this psalm. Uh, It doesn't just require people to lament. He doesn't just say, um, I I long and thirst for God and end there. Um, It gives direction to lament and points towards hope. After saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Uh, There's an intentional putting on of hope in the midst of their languishing. The psalmist declares to God to be Savior and God, even in the space where they are downcast. Um, The line before um, hasn't changed. They're still in that space of languishing, yet there is this intentional placing our hope in God. I I find this line, um, I will yet praise him uh, to be an interesting one. Uh, The person, it's it's in future tense. Uh, The person doesn't feel... God's immediate presence yet assures themselves that there will be a day when they praise. Um, In reading through some different people's experiences of depression, I found one person captured this reality really well. Um, They said that it was really helpful, actually, to be in the midst of people who were worshiping and what she called um, happy clappy, Um, even when they were in a space of languishing. Uh, So they would be in a space where they were crying and and they would feel like a a wreck, as they described themselves. Um, But even though they felt this way, they knew that there were people willing to be alongside them, that these people were not forgetting a truth that they couldn't grab a hold of at the time. And I love the language that this person used to describe that, that others weren't forgetting a truth that they just couldn't grab a hold of. Uh, This person had not ceased to believe. They simply couldn't hold on to for themselves the sense of happiness that they longed to experience in the presence of God. But she had hope from being part of a community that held on to this for her as she looked towards a future that would proclaim, I will yet praise him. At the center of our passage here is the psalmist's need for God. And this is something that all of us experience, something that we experience in our souls. The desire for God is like thirsting for water in a dry land. It's speaking for the soul's need to experience the presence of God, to have God's face turned towards us. Now, we read this in the psalm, And hopefully, as people in the church, we should see Jesus, that that, that this points towards the person of Jesus, that we think back towards passages of um, John chapter 7, where Jesus is standing in front of the temple and proclaims loudly for everyone to hear, come all who are thirsty. Uh, Jesus is the one who offers this grace. This grace that comes not from our own effort, from our ability to find uh, the source of life, but one that is offered um, loudly for all to hear. It's not dependent on our mental state or our emotions. God's grace is what holds us fast. As I come closer to a conclusion here, uh, that this gospel um, focus that I want us to be aware of here To zero in on is this naming at the end, my Savior and my God, and to be able to see Christ in the midst of that. We affirm the presence of Christ in the midst of mental health challenges, and we acknowledge that part of any journey towards recovery is one where Christ accompanies us. Um, I just want to read briefly from Romans chapter 8. This has this famous passage. A lot of us are quite familiar with it, but I just want to have it fresh in our minds here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution? Later it says, no, none of these things separate us from Christ. And it gives this long list in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Well, it's true uh, that mental health challenges may prevent us from seeing Christ's presence with us. Uh, That can bring us into an experience that feels like darkness. Um, We have this assurance in God's word that Christ's presence is there And we are also aware of people who, in the midst of their diagnosis towards mental illness, can be in spaces of flourishing and recognizing Christ's presence. Uh, I want to finish with a quote um, from a a book where, where a person in the midst of their depression just writes what they wish someone would say to them. And I, I'm not sure, I don't think it's written from a Christian perspective, but it lines up almost too well uh, with what we just read in Psalm um, from Romans chapter 8. Uh, it, it points towards the hope um, that is already in God's word. Uh, so hear these words. What the person longed to hear was the words... I am here. I love you. I don't care if you need to stay up crying all night. I will stay with you. If you need the medication again, go ahead and take it. I will love you through that as well. If you don't need the medication, I will love you too. There is nothing you can ever do to lose my love. I will protect you until you die, and after your death, I will still protect you. I am stronger than depression, I am braver than loneliness, and nothing will ever exhaust me. This is the type of love that is proclaimed in the love of Christ. Just a couple of challenges uh, to leave us with. One is that this should change uh, the way that we care for people in the midst of our languishing for those who are um, experiencing ongoing mental illness. uh, We are challenged not to simply find answers or to contextualize their pain, but to hear others, to respond with the patient kindness that is fitting of those who aim to be Christ-like. This should also affect the grace that we give ourselves in the midst of our own languishing. We can live well with Jesus even when the prospect of a cure is beyond the horizon. Whether it's due to the loss um, and the grief we experience or if it's due to mental illness or due to something else, we come as those equipped for suffering with permission to speak our pain knowing that Jesus' love is inexhaustive and is towards us even in the seasons where we cannot see it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the ways that you have created us in all of our complexities, for the salvation that you give us, the grace that you so freely offer. Help us to accept it, to acknowledge it, to live in a way that reflects your grace, As a church, help us to be a community that reflects the kindness and goodness that is fitting of a people growing in imitation of you. If that means learning to care for the many who are dealing with mental health challenges, may we do so with patience and listening ears. Forgive us for the times where we have not listened well, where we have failed in responding to the hurt as we collectively respond to the challenges of a world that has been turned and pressed by a pandemic, give us grace. As we look to where we are as a community, somewhere in the midst of languishing and flourishing, may we have the boldness to be vulnerable, the courage to face what we need to in order to move forward through the work of your Spirit working in us. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.